You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Well, welcome back to another episode of Buffalo Happy Hour. Mike, what's up? Derek, we are going to start today's episode with a fact of the day. Factamundo. Andrew Jackson, seventh president of the United States of America. Never heard of him. He was a major in the U.S. Army and fought in the Battle of 1812, killed a lot of British folk. Um, He was in many duels. In case anybody forgot, which I think everybody should be involved in one duel before they pass away. True. Because that's amazing. Um, There was an assassination attempt on him, and the man's gun misfired. So Andrew beat him with his walking stick until the guy was like a pulp. Nice. Uh, He was 67 years old at the time, just whooping tail. He did two terms as a president. He had two bullets in his chest, one from a duel, one from the war. Um, They couldn't be removed, so he just lived with them. Because, you know, they don't make them like they used to. (laughs) And he ended up dying from the poisoning from those two bullets at his house when he retired um, that he called the Hermitage, which was in Tennessee. He was buried then in his garden on the property next to his wife, Rachel. Uh, He was 78 years old. So those are the facts of the day of good old Andrew Jackson. Is that where the phrase walk tall and carry a big stick came from? No. (laughs) However... Multiple U.S. presidents did until semi-recently, so everything's fine. Having fun. But uh, we are back. We are excited for another fun-filled week, talking about all things Buffalo Happy Hour. And uh, So thank you, everybody, for joining us. This is episode 107. Six? Seven, I think, right? We forgot. Reason why is because we are recording um, a lot more because for reasons beyond our uh, comprehension, yep. we have Patreons. But yeah. So so if you want to be a part of the Patreons and get access to the episodes a week early, which that's already, people are already doing that, which is wild. They're doing it. They wanted to hear our voice twice today. So they were so excited that we uploaded again that they're like, oh, I'm going to. I'm going to check this out. I wonder if next week they're going to click on the upload on YouTube and be like, I already watched this. Do you think that's going to happen? Yeah, well, I, someone's probably going to watch it again. Yeah? <laughs> Why not? Comment again. 
First beat. <laughs> but yeah, so if you want to be Second a part view. of our Patreon, our Happy Hour crew, you can go to patreon.com slash Buffalo Happy Hour. We have five different tiers where you can sign up from there. Uh, we want to keep this podcast, and we will be keeping this podcast free for businesses when we go and interview them. So this is a way that we can try to make some money on the back end of it, but also involve you guys in our episodes and our Wednesday Whisker Reviews a little bit more. So yeah, it's episode 107. Take care, guys. We'll see ya. Just kidding. Uh, but yeah, what what's going on? What's your week looking like? Weekly recap. Um, oh, I sty. My friggin' eye hurt so bad. Is she twitching? No, it just like remember those. I used to have them so much when I when I was younger. Like those styes. You ever had one of them? No. Like, like right in your eyelash pocket, like it would puff up and it would hurt. You never had that? No. Otherwise, I wouldn't have gotten LASIK. No, I no. That has nothing to do with it. It's your eyelid. <laughs> Uh, and it used to like puff up like it was an infection or something. And I used to get them when I was younger. And I still get the feeling that I'm getting one, but then it never comes. Like, That's right, what she said. Weird. Yeah, seriously. <laughs> but yeah, my every time I blink right now, it's like, ding, ding, hurts. Don't blink. Yeah, there you go. Just have a sit like that contest. the entire episode. I would literally pee if you did that the entire. I used episode. to win a lot of staring contests when I was younger. I believe it because you're a sociopath. <laughs> Um, Do sociopaths blink less? Is that a thing? Google it. <laughs> Could you imagine? Be like statistically, <laughs> statistically, they blink at a blink third less. of the rate as normal people. <laughs> they have a problem. Do sociopaths Google? Okay, so I also heard uh, when I was listening to a podcast today that they're going to start, or there's a possibility that they're going to start analyzing your credit based off of your search history. So, like, banks and financial institutions can look at your search history and see if they want to give you a loan. It's kind of messed up, isn't it? Yeah, I. people talk. Well, yeah, but just the thought that, that, that someone's like, you know what, this is a good idea. That's scary. Yeah, that's why I've had a very unpopular thought and opinion and gut feeling for the longest time of there comes a point on <laughs> earth where we should thin the herd and that's a prime example yes yeah, sociopaths tend to blink less and there is a reason for it sociopaths have to be more aware of their surroundings and this is what all predators do so maybe i'm a sociopath perfect now autumn leaf's just like going off the rails i'll just add that to my resume yeah there you sociopath. go um okay but yeah it's kind of weird that somebody can be like this is something that I want to put out there is an idea. We're going to go off the deep end and then we're going to get demonetized and it's fine. Well, we're not even monetized in the first place. So <laughs> fire right. away, Michael. Grenades for everyone. <laughs> yeah. No, um, I mean, yeah, that's terrifying. And there are people that are in positions of power that should not be, period. Interesting. Andrew, Another fact of the day. Yeah, Andrew Yang today announced that he's removing himself from the Democratic Party. Yeah, because they're literally loonies. <laughs> Not all of them. It's just fascinating that Andrew Yang is. I wonder what his thought process. I didn't. <laughs> I didn't do my research. Did you? Do you know why he left? No, you. That's breaking news for me. Um, oh, really? There. Listen, there comes a point in both parties where it's too much yeah. in either direction, right? So where my head's at now is we're we're past the point of like, ah, oh, that's a good point. That's fair. We should entertain that and it's just like we need to start kind of just a little a little love smack in the back of the head just be like shut up that's dumb you're an idiot like 
we don't need here's a prime example there's a word in the english language and the word is hero okay hero there's a woman in congress who's a democrat and she said that there are this is her quote quote there are heroes and sheroes end quote and i lost my mind <laughs> who now, was the was it she was the only person oh no it was trudeau where he's like we're in a she recession a she session the canadian dude I'm like you're an idiot yeah she <laughs> that's not even a, a male dominated term it's called a hero it's not a hero or a mailman it's hero she was also the only person to vote nay when proposed with the specific act that would allow the government to pursue the terrorists that were responsible for 9-11. Mm-hmm. And she was against the bill because she felt that it was a government overreach and it would have led to too many. It was too open ended. It wasn't specific enough. And it's famous at this point, but the bill's verbiage is what she voted nay on. She was for going after the responsible parties. Mm-hmm. She wasn't for the verbiage written in the bill. Okay. Now, there's two sides of me because I'm not the whole political spectrum thing. I'm, I'm literally like dead nut center. Yeah. And. I think most of the world is. Correct. And the there's two parts of me on it. The first is kill everyone responsible for 9-11, no questions asked. It's not even like less than a heartbeat. Mm-hmm. We're going to murder everybody. The second part of me is the logical, like non-grunt aspect where you should have somebody in a position of power that will at least entertain the position of devil's advocate mm-hmm. to ensure things are thought through. Right. And I'm for that. Um, I actually had a really good discussion with a friend of mine who we are on opposite sides of, of the political spectrum. However, he deployed Afghanistan in 2004. Um, we, him and I served together and there's, a, you know, him, mm-hmm. a lot of respect and love for him. Absolute savage and barbarian, but he's like, not on the same ballpark politically as I am. Biden came up in regards to he voted against the bin Laden raid and it was fact-checked and dug into and he goes, uh, Biden's stance, which this came up during the debates and things where the right kind of like use it as a smear campaign, which is politics, but again, there's two parts of me. The one side is never vote against that, go go shoot him in the face, which we ended up doing. The second part is, again, uh, someone in the position of elected power should take the position of devil's advocate to then ask the tough questions and just be like, hey, did we think this through? When it was fact-checked, all that was asked by current President Joe Biden was, do we have all the intel to know that this is actually worth it? And it was raised in the Situation Room to Obama And then he said, follow your gut. So two sides to me, shut up, Joe, shoot him in the face. Mm -hmm. Second side, could we have more intel? Like what intel do we already have? 
I feel like that's a slippery slope, though, because you can always have more intel. You could always have more intel. And that was my point in the discussion with my friend. Mm -hmm. And I said, at what point isn't enough? You know what I mean? Like, so, and then, of course, we went down the rabbit hill rabbit hole of what intel did we have like did we have photos of him like yeah we had face photos however we literally shot him in the face and his skull split in half so the only way this is fact the only way we identified bin laden was a seal similar in height laid next to him to decipher how tall the the body was and then based off of the intel they knew okay that height matches OBL. The second thing was his ears because we shot him in the face so we couldn't use the face photos we had anymore because 556 said, be gone with you. Right. So there's, and it's it's wild now because I don't know if anyone, <laughs> like literally anyone except for maybe Stefan Mahailu, which a lot of people don't even know of him, um, which kind of blows my mind, yeah. is Someone who's elected and is still um, under the understanding and knows the understanding that they represent the people. I feel like that's kind of coagulated and lost yeah. by literally everybody in politics. I was thinking just to circle back because I do want to. Don't I'm sorry, say that. Just to touch base on something we previously discussed. <laughs> is that better? Yes, thank you. Um, I just want to recap the Andrew Yang thing. So he says, I believe I can reach people who are outside the system more effectively. I feel more independent. He wrote also on a personal level, I'll admit there has always been something of an odd fit between me and the democratic party. I'm not very ideological. I'm practical making partisan arguments, particularly expressing what I often see is performative sentiment is sometimes uncomfortable for me. I often think, okay, what can we actually do to solve the problem? I'm pretty sure there are others who feel the same way as I do. So it's an ideological difference between him and the Democratic Party, which, looking at the debates, we all could have guessed. Like, he's not a Democrat. He's a businessman. But now he's going to be independent. I just wanted to you follow back that. up with that. You can't say that. But anyway. He's a, he's a businessman. Only relates to one other human being on the face of the earth in American politics. But he is a businessman, too. Correct. So um, can you expand on that for people that don't? fully understand what's going on also derek finally just caught the the fruit fly bro the fruit fly bro that was flying around in the last two wednesday whiskey reviews and today's episode that's why (laughs) i'm doing this all the time it's not because they're watching us because we already know they are but uh there's a fruit fly so can you expand on that for those that aren't necessarily on the up and up expand on what on Yang's statement, he said it, there's an ide- ideological difference between him and the Democratic Party. Break that down. I don't know. This is what the article said. Sweet. Yeah. All right, moving on. So, <laughs> great section. <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean, if you if you look at his track record when he was, um, when he was running for president, the only thing that he related to them on was. The idea of like quasi socialism, but not even socialism. It's just giving somebody a thousand dollars a month to like that whole discussion that you and I had. Like, if you had a thousand dollars, you would take more risks in building your business. That's the only thing that he agreed with them on was some sort of individual person aid that would help the economy. Everything else, he wasn't. I don't think he was there for Medicare for all, or he had some sort of. I don't want to quote the dude because I'm not too up and up with him. Because, well, right, sure, yeah. But like, the, I'm pretty sure that was 
the essence of him aligning with Dem- the Democratic Party and probably the fact that he just didn't relate to the Republicans either. That was probably most of it. I mean, I'm sure that that was Tulsi Gabbard's thing too. She wouldn't say that she's a Democrat. Right. And I've, I well, think the issue we're running into is that there's people that are running for office and they're forced to choose a party just because otherwise they're not going to get enough of a vote correct. to do anything. Did you know? Even get into the debates. Did you know that there was a – did you watch the Rogan podcast with Mike Baker, this last one? Uh, not all of it. So it was – I think it was towards the end of it. But he was saying that – was it Weinstein or someone? Weinstein. Eric Weinstein, yeah. Or it could have been someone else, not Brett Weinstein, but Weinstein or someone else had an agreement between two people of opposite parties. It was Dan Crenshaw and Tulsi Gabbard to run as a third party. And then when that happened, when this agreement came that they were going to run as the third party for president, social media and the internet shut them down completely. They blocked their Twitter accounts, they blocked their Facebook accounts, and they blocked this initiative to run a valid third party system. I don't was I think that was the second time that was brought up because that was brought up before on that podcast. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. exactly. So yeah. there's no way for like we even saw it with Joe Jurgensen. She was a credible third party advocate and she didn't even get the light of day on the stage to debate the absolute two She wasn't allowed. Yeah, exactly, because she didn't have the funding. They they literally said you're not allowed to debate. So how do we get out of it? Because I think all of us, like yeah, you mean, can say that you're a Republican or a Democrat, but when you drill down to their actual policies, you none of us are either of them. And what's crazy too is I'm looking up um, – I don't know that we were going into politics today, but I kind of like it. I uh, Well, don't worry because then we got to talk about your boy table. <laughs> so, um, so I'm looking up <sighs> – Three things. I'm looking up three different definitions, and they're legitimate hot topic words that a lot of people don't even know. And it's kind of funny, specifically Republicans. Some can, most can't, many conservatives cannot, and liberals, I I don't know. Classical liberals, maybe. Today's progressive liberals, most likely don't even know what year it is. They just want rainbows, unicorns, and open borders, and they don't even understand the ramifications of anything that they're actually spouting about. The so, U- U.S. Supreme Court just told Biden that they have to close down the border. They have to close down the border? I'm pretty sure that's the article that I just saw come out that said we need more progress on the border wall. No kidding. Well, it's a disaster right now. Well, not only is it a disaster, but it's a major health risk because of what they're bringing in. And they're not, they're not getting tested either. Well, of course they're not getting tested. For and as that's, much of a disaster and pandemic this is, we're not. That's one of the biggest things that I have against today's policy. Like, you can't. Everybody says that this whole country was built on that and, you know, your family is immigrants. I'm like, correct. But my family came here legally following the process, but then assimilated. They're not coming here illegally. <clears throat> and then all of a sudden protesting and rioting and committing a ton of murders. And then 
not like literally sitting on their rump, not doing anything good at all, and then waiting for the taxpayers to fund everything. That's absurd. That yeah. didn't occur when our grandparents arrived. There's a distinct difference in what happened between legal immigration that built the United States and what's happening today. And the problem is that there's a lot of people in both parties. I'm going to stay as politically neutral neutral as possible but there's people in both parties that aren't realizing the political spectrum is shifting and it blows my mind liberals today don't realize like liberals today that are older 45 plus years of age don't realize that the democratic party has shifted so far left that the union loving like good heartedness of the democratic party is not necessarily existing in a way it is, but in a very, very progressive, like in a, in a very progressive sense, really like the whole, there's aspects of it that are good. Like the gay community. Sure. If you're gay, if like, if you're trans, whatever, and you just want to have like normal rights and be treated like a normal person, I don't know anyone that's against that. Right. Except for religious people, which is a whole nother ballgame. And yeah, and that's I mean, the religion is like the root of a lot of evil. Yeah. And and problems, specifically the Catholic. But that's Church. related a lot to the Republican Party. It is correct. Yeah. hundred percent. And then you also have the 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 elements of the the left today that talks about um a lot of things. Yeah. A lot, and it's exhausting. But like women we'll say women's rights too. I don't know anybody that doesn't think a woman should have the same rights as a man. Specific like like voting, like fundamental rights. Yeah. Pay is like a political argument and there's, you know, there's a lot of data and facts that go both ways. Mm-hmm. Um but like the root of it, like every American regardless of party should be treated a certain way that used to be a normal democratic like fundamental principle mm-hmm. as a party and then it is not what it is today. And then the right, same, like, there's radical rights. There's people that are just out of their mind, and they're so pro, almost in a sense, like, monopolies and business. And it just, there's there's a middle ground, and so many people are afraid to have that conversation, which is frustrating. Yeah. In, in this current environment right now, it's basically squeaky wheel gets the oil. You are, you have yeah. squeaky wheels on both sides of the aisle, and right now they have a platform to tell everybody about it. So that's what you're getting. Regardless of its politicians, people, just the extremes on each side feel like they should voice their opinion because we all care about their opinion. And they should spout their nonsense and then their friends grasp onto it. But it's still an overwhelming minority of people that are on those far sides. Most people are in the center. Like even your neighbor. Your your neighbor might be Democrat or might be Republican, opposite of what you are, but you guys share the same fundamental values. Yeah, and even like when you when you talk about COVID vaccine versus non-vaccine, like I'm not getting into a vaccine discussion because this the video will be taken down literally in an instant. But what I'm saying is, no one's against or no one's for killing people because of the vaccine. Like, regardless of your vaccination status, there's no like I'm not getting vaccinated because I want to kill people. It's like no, you think that it's good for your health not to same with the vaccine if you get it you think it's good for your health to get it right no one is saying i want to kill people right it's just a difference of understanding what the pros and cons or to you like what the pros and cons are to you personally we're all in in agreement for the most part on many things and it just bothers me that for some reason our politicians are 
on the opposite sides. Like our politicians have gotten extreme, but I feel like our country has gotten more middle. And for which isn't reflected in voting, which is frustrating yeah. because Republicans don't vote anymore. Yeah. Like why? Like shut up, vote, do your civil duty, move on. What I I remember what I was going to say. The concept of term limits. You said that you don't think that there's anybody out there that is like there's you were obviously speaking in grand terms, but nobody out there is saying women shouldn't have rights, you know? Right. Like that concept. Is anybody out there saying that there should be unlimited terms? Unlimited I've never terms? met somebody. Yeah, because like the concept of term limits in Congress, you see Pelosi, you see um, Mitch McConnell, you see Biden. They all have 40 years of Congress. Like they've been in the government for 40 years right. without being voted out. And there's a, all this topic of term limits and how you should only be able to con- serve like two consecutive terms like a president. I've never heard anybody that's against implementing term limits. I haven't either. So why isn't it a thing? It's what everybody wants. Nobody wants, except for them, which is probably the answer, why it's not happening. Correct. But except for them, nobody wants them to be in control forever. You have an overwhelming population of the government that is considered unemployable because they're that old. And that's what the issue is with Republicans that are not elected into power. So just... Republic, like normal people that are on the right are now calling out Republicans in power and saying, hey, propose it, put it on the floor, vote, on, do something right. and then compromise and talk and have conversations. But then you're running into the clickiness of Congress in the House. And it's just that the two parties are causing their own failure. Mm-hmm. And it's not, a, you know, due to being inept. It's just a lack of communication and a lot of bureaucratic red tape that's so annoying and yeah. old. So, which leads me to my point. Do you want to talk about that Joe, Joe Biden quote that I said, though? Yeah. For the Supreme Court. So, the article from Newsweek, which I guess probably isn't a reputable source, but it's, that's the first one that came up, and it's all over the internet. But it says, Supreme Court rules in favor of Donald Trump's plan to use $3.6 billion for the border wall. So, basically, Biden, when he was elected to office, said, we're not using that money for the border wall. And the U.S. Supreme Court said, you have to do it because the border is a disaster. So, that's kind of coming back full circle again. Got it. Um, circle back. So, there's three definitions. And... The reason why I bring this up is because there's a lot of people on both sides of the political spectrum that use trigger words or hot topic buzzwords to prove a point. Sorry, Sean. And it's a top it's a talking point, but no one even knows the actual definition of what they're saying. So I'm going to read the definitions, face value of what they are, so that you, as a viewer, can understand what it actually is as a definition. The three words that I'm going to provide a definition for are capitalism, socialism, and communism. Because I don't know if anybody actually knows the definition of any of these words. People don't know the definition of anything. They don't know the definition to gaslighting and the reason why gaslighting is a thing. They just throw that term out there thinking that they're smart and they're woke, and it just doesn't work because you don't know the whole history of the term gaslighting. Yes. But regardless, go for it. So socialism, we're going to start there. It's a political and economic theory of social organization, which advocates that the means of production, distribution, and exchange should be owned or regulated by the community as a whole. Okay? So the community owns it. Capitalism 
is essentially the same thing, but it's by the state. So the definition of capitalism is it's an economic and political system in which a country's trade and industry are controlled by private owners for profit, sorry, private owners for profit rather than the state. Got right. it? Yeah, so it's not, yeah. Yeah, it's not owned by the state. So it's, what is the community aspect of so, it? So socialism is owned by the community. Capitalism is owned by the, the actual business. Yeah, but what is- The individual com- that owns the business. Right, so what is what do they define community as? It just says by the community as a whole. Okay. So the people, I'm assuming. Now for capitalism- So for you guys that don't understand, when you're talking about socialism, your individual success isn't in your control. Basically. Yeah. And then communism is a political theory, obviously derived from Karl Marx, advocating class war and leading to a society in which all property is publicly owned and each person works and is paid according to their abilities and needs. Sounds pretty good. So if you look at... Yeah, right. So if you look at what we have in the United States of America... It's interesting because, like, we kind of blended a lot of different things. Mm -hmm. Our tax dollars fund aspects of socialism. We have taxes in the first place. But you're allowed to start this. Right. (laughs) You're allowed to start your own business, and there's a free market, and there's no monopolies anymore. Mm Mm-hmm. Because obviously there's people with greed, they started that, and then the government stepped in and said no more monopolies, and then that was it. So like Rockefellers and all those people are no longer, you know, the guy that owns Hershey and Mars. There's indo facto monopolies, but they're not, Yeah, like you can still take it over. Like for a while, MySpace was a monopoly, and then Facebook came and took it over. So it's not like, you can logistically create a new social media site that can take over Facebook. It might be hard, and it might be near impossible, but you can do it. There's nothing stopping that. On a fundamental, yes. Right, And yeah. then once you practically do it, Facebook is probably going to pull some dark arts and then literally sure. like yeah, remove yeah. you right. from big but tech. But conceptually, nothing's there to happen. Correct. Yeah. So those are the definitions as definitions, okay? So that's that. That's that. Y'all can make your own opinions. Derek and I have our own opinions. Vastly um, different opinions, by the way. We're two completely different people. Oh, yeah. Um, but those are the definitions. So I just wanted to clear that and make sure that everyone's tracking what those three definitions are. And obviously, people know where I stand on things. What are your What are your thoughts as to why you felt you needed to clarify those three definitions? What, what do you think people misconstrue the most? I just think people are ignorant inherently well yeah but because you don't know what you don't know but there's it's because it's such a next question (laughs) yeah literally people are dumb um but it's it's honestly because there's so much back and forth between the the two political parties and it's just social media talking points back and forth there's no actual conversation being had so do you think that the answer is not capitalism or socialism it's what we currently have which is a merge of both yeah because you can't be full capitalism because there's socialism aspects that incorporate our daily lives like police departments fire departments like everything that people always say like you like socialism because of this like yeah i get it but like it's merging the both so each way isn't 
the right way to go. It's this merge of both. Unless you live in a random town that you're not getting any funding from anybody, then yeah, form your own police force. But again, when you form your own police force, there's still going to be aspects of who's paying that guy. The system in place is the system that works. Could it be better and or more efficient? I mean, sure. I think. But like you have to you have to be very specific on what you're trying to modify and streamline to be more efficient and better. I think too, in that same vein, it needs to be more transparent. I think that's the key. Is well, that tax the, dollars and allocation of funds needs to be more transparent when you're talking about these socialism structures in a uh, capitalism world. I'm convinced. I'm a material world. I'm girl. convinced people in government are just being paid way too much, and they yeah. have way their benefits are too cush. The whole job is too cushy. Getting into it is an absolute nightmare, and it's polarizing, and it ruins your life, and it's not worth it. But once you're in, you're in. And it's the whole thing is just such a cancer and disease and not worth any energy. I just I mean, we I'm, talked about this before. I'm you sick wouldn't, of it. You wouldn't get into it. As passionate as you are, I can't. The second that you get into it, your life is ruined I for can't. the most part. Yeah, I can't. Because they're going to dig up stuff that's not even true. Like, that's the toxic environment when you're talking about politics. And that is something that is de-incentivizing people from getting into politics in the first place. We want to change the culture of politicians and do all this stuff, but if you're not incentivizing good people to get into politics, it's never going to change because you're going to get a Trump that goes in who literally doesn't care about anything to go in and be like, this is who I am. Yeah. Take it or leave it. Right. And that's just how it's going to be because he doesn't care what people think because he's not like a good person. I mean, we can all say that, but... That's who you're getting because I'm not going in. Are you going in? No. Are you guys going in? Let us know in the comments below. Are you going into politics? Of course not. Join our Patreon first and then talk. <laughs> yeah, and it's it's the same thing with, you know, the Hillary's and the career politicians. And it's just not – they're just vile human beings and they're so egotistical and it's exhausting. So, all right, bills by a billion. Brian Dable. Doing great things. We've outscored opponents. 119 to 21, right? Something higher now. Yeah. No, so, that was it. That, that's the stat from three weeks. Hold on. I got it. 119 or 108 or something to 21. I, I got I got a fun-filled stat for you that will make <clears throat> you smile inside. Good. I want to smile. Okay. The Bills' last seven regular season games, stemming back to 2020. Okay, Dable was still here. Doubt it. We beat the Bron- <laughs> we we beat the Broncos, forty-eight to nineteen. Patriots. We beat them thirty-eight to nine. Dolphins fifty-six to twenty-six. Uh, Steelers lost sixteen twenty-three. Dolphins win thirty-five nothing. Washington win forty-three twenty-one. Texans win forty nothing. And our last six regular season wins, we averaged a game forty-three point three points. Held opponents to 12.5. Shout out Leslie Frazier. Hell yeah. Best opponents by average of 30.8 points per game. Beat opponents by average of 30.8 points per game. 
Total combined points scored, Bills 260, opponent 75. Six out of our last seven games were absolute domination. So if our combined points scored is 260 and our opponents are 75, scoring 260 points in the last six games, we can talk roster until we're blue in the face. Mm -hmm. But like we discussed on Sunday off-air – there comes a point where it's a play call and then the execution of that play call. Sure. And if the execution fails, then the play call will always look bad. And that's kind of where we agreed, where we're just like, what did you think of that play call? And I'm like, sure. I blame Moss because he didn't get his head around fast enough like he was supposed to when he ran that route to catch the ball. So okay, we, but can we agree on the opposite of that? Which is? A good execution basically discounts a bad play call. So a bad play call can be still a bad play call as long as the execution's good. Can we can we agree on that? To an extent. How? How how is that the reverse of that 100% true but mine is to an extent. Because you can have the best roster in the world and a bad play call will get blown up by a good defense. Yeah, I don't agree with that at all. Why? The Patriots dynasty did not always have a good offensive coordinator the entire time that they were there or a good play caller the entire time that they were there. And yet they were dominant for 10 years straight. Because of one quarterback. A good play. A good player. A good execution can discount a bad play call. That's what I'm getting at. Oh. Are we, are we no, doing the chess thing? I, no, I'm, I'm just throwing out a point, man. That's all I'm saying is that you can have a bad play call. And listen, I want... Dable to succeed. I want us to have a good offensive play well, call. He is succeeding. Yeah. Well, okay, great. Sure. But <laughs> what I want is you to understand that we have an extremely talented team around us. We have a quarterback that can literally throw over the mountains. We have Diggs, Beasley, and Sanders. This is the best roster that we've had in how long? But what about when he was first the OC, like his first year or two as an OC, when we didn't have those pieces to the puzzle, was he still a bad OC? Yeah. Why? I mean, you can go back. Our record wasn't very good then. We weren't scoring as many points back then. Our roster probably complimented him and is limiting his bad play calls because of how talented they are. Like, and I'll give you so. Talking about this last week. And this, real quick, this encompasses the fact that as an offensive coordinator, you have an end plan for your game plan and playbook. Yeah? What do you mean? There's levels to it. Sure. For like different aspects of the game? Is that what you're getting at? Like a middle end? As an offense. So a defensive coordinator will say, we're going to run a 3-4. But there's levels to that 3-4 defense. Here is my 3-4 defense. Okay? okay? An offensive coordinator will come forward and say, I run the triple option as an offense. But it's not the stereotypical triple option. If I can get A, B, and C, whether it's you know two tailbacks and or a tailback and a fullback and a quarterback that can comprehend what the play is, I also need these pieces to make everything work on an execution level. So sure. I need a couple tackles, I need a really good pulling guard, and then I need a center that can make adjustments on the field to call out the disguised coverages that they're seeing in the trench that I might miss just because helmets blend together and I'm not necessarily seeing, hey, he's now a three technique. Mm-hmm. So 
there's that aspect. So we're moving forward in the conversation, assuming that Dable is a bad OC with everybody understanding that there's levels to his offense. Yeah. Because when he first got here, we weren't good, but it was because he was only using less than a quarter of what his actual offense is by design because he goes, hey, we don't have – I can't plug this guy to run this play, which is in my offense because we're not there yet by roster, which is why you have McDermott and Bean pulling in that talent so that we can then use the full gamut of the – same as the defense. Yeah. And, and to that, I completely agree with you. But I want to stipulate by saying I he's not a bad offensive play or a bad offensive coordinator because when you're talking about the job of offensive coordinators to groom talent and to get basically be a mentor, kind of like a head coach, there's an aspect of it that is specifically play calling, which is what I'm saying can be better. Just want to clear that out there. I was under the impression that you didn't think he was a good offensive coordinator at all. He was going to be a always, better head coach and a better mentor than exactly. an offensive coordinator. And that's what I'm saying. That part of being an offensive coordinator is good. Like He is grooming Josh Allen to be a great person, great dude, a great quarterback. I'm not saying that. I'm saying his play calling is suspect sometimes. That's always been my position even from the start. So you're taking – Less something smaller than one sixteenth of his entire job as an OC, and you're saying that could be better, right? Correct. Which has been my stance from the entire start of this. I always questioned his offensive play calling, and I thought that his how he handled Josh is this one reason why Mitch Trubisky came here and took less money is because he liked the way that Josh was being groomed. I never said that I like I didn't like that part. I'm saying I don't like his play calling in certain situations that are tough. I have a feeling this Kansas City game is going to be interesting from an offensive play calling standpoint because he's going to be throwing out some crazy stuff that they didn't see from us in the AFC Championship game that's going to be different. Well, that, but they also have like the 30th ranked defense in the right, league. Right, so it's not very good. They are horrendous. Right, so it's going to be Jaylen interesting. Jalen Hurts threw like 300 plus yards on them. So I'm going to be on the record here. If we are not aggressive, and I want your opinion on this, if we're not aggressive in this Kansas City game, like if there's a fourth and one, on the on the 50 yard line there's situational aspects obviously so we can't make that decision right now but if we're not aggressive in key parts of the game will you then agree with me to an extent that he could be better or the offensive play calling in the game could be better again i don't want to put it on him because mcdermott could say it's that we're gonna do this but the offensive play calling but how do we know that that happened well that's why i'm saying take dable out of it just say our offensive play calling because sure it's fun for you and I to joke around and say, I hate Dable. I hope he dies. Like, it's fun for us to say that because we're just two idiots talking about this. But in essence, my entire gripe with the current situation is the way that we're calling offensive plays could be better. So there's two parts to my question. One, it's very tough for me to just be like, yeah, it's Dable because there's – Literally more times than not, Allen is doing what Peyton Manning used to do mm-hmm. when he was with the Colts, where he would look at the sideline and go like that, and then he's just like, "I don't give a shit <laughs> about, st- yeah, like I don't care about <laughs> statistics. It's fourth and one. I'm getting this first down, and we're we're gonna keep trucking." There's also McDermott, where it's frustrating for us as fans who don't have the headset to listen to everything, sure. because in that situation, we're like. 
do do this, like whatever this is, or just punt, and then all of a sudden they do something totally different, right. and then we're like, what is going on? And then the announcers are like, oh, McDermott made the call to do this, and we're just like, so it's not – and, sure. and then obviously we're texting, going back and forth. Viewers don't know that, but it's just like – you know, because they're not reading our text, but that's the frustrating part from our standpoint. Because, yeah, no, six of them because <laughs> we're on a group chat. Because that's the frustrating part. Because yeah. we're just like, oh my god, there's so many times where it could potentially be specifically Dable, but then the head coach steps in, or mm-hmm. Allen steps in, sure. or you know, whatever. Um, the other part is this game. I don't know how much time you've spent listening to Five Fifty in the last week. Uh, not too much. Only when I go to the gym and back. So like a half hour, three, four times a week. Okay. So the vibe for this week's game, mm-hmm. which this releases like after the game. The day, like. The day after, right? 12 hours after. Yeah. So the vibe of this game is like, we'll die for a win. Mm-hmm. We will literally die for the win. Which, do you agree with that? A thousand percent. Absolutely. Because there's... To our patrons, it's available eight hours after. Everybody else, you have to wait another week. Sorry. Yeah. So it's... um, Here's the thing. Yes, we lost to them in the AFC championship game. But because of how the, the schedule came out, because of how their defense is playing in Kansas City right now... We are in a very, very good spot to clinch and then host, if all things mm-hmm. work out, to host the AFC championship, uh, AFC championship game at home. And at the end of every year, there's locker clean-out day, there's meetings with the coaches, and you sit down and go over like your goals for the offseason and things like that. But then our front office sits down and says, this is our goal for next year, which isn't necessarily uncommon in the NFL, mm-hmm. right? However... It's now known what our goal is as an organization for this year, which came out. And I don't know if you heard it, but the goal from McDermott was to host the AFC Championship game at home Mm -hmm. this year. And winning the division is obviously a part of that. And that's kind of where their head's at, which is monumental because we haven't had anything like that since the 90s. So, to that be our goal instead of let's make the playoffs or, is amazing. Or nine and seven. Right. Yeah. For nine and seven, we had a good year. Yeah. Like, let's just beat seven and nine. Right. So it's refreshing, but extremely motivating. The issue is that it's away. Yeah. And it's going to be super loud. So we have to literally. We have to play really, really good football okay. on all three sides of the ball. So I'm going to give you two scenarios, and I want your input on one, how you think it's going to play, and how, and two, how you would want it to play because it could be different. So let's say it is twenty-seven <clears> thirty-four. <throat> we are up by a touchdown, and we are on their forty-five yard line with two minutes left. It's fourth and one. Do you go for it? Because you know, one, if it's 27, our defense has been doing good, but hasn't been able to stop Mahomes on every drive, and you have a magician in their backfield there. Who are we playing? Kansas City. So okay. I'm talking about this this week right here. So we're if you don't and you punt it, you're going to give Mahomes the ability to march all the way down the field with two minutes left and not give us any time. 
let's make it even more interesting. Let's say it's 28 to 34. So if they get a touchdown, they win. And I'm throwing the kitchen sink at you. And somebody had an abortion. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> um, so we're... <laughs> but so, not in Texas. <laughs> yeah. So that's the situation. We're at their 45-yard line. It's fourth and one. Do we punt or do we go for the fourth and one or the fourth down conversion? Because this might be where you and I might differ a little bit. I'm saying go for it. Okay, then we're the same. Yeah. So if Dable says punt it, or if somebody in the Bills organization says punt it, would you be upset because we're not being aggressive enough compared to what Mahomes can do? Yeah, and I think any Bills fan would be upset about that, Correct. especially because of last year. Right. Um. I yeah, that's a go for it, regardless of what statistics say in the you know in the booth. Yeah. That's something you would go for. Um. Yeah. So tough call, but yeah, go for it. So I'm going to give you another situation. This mm-hmm. is actually happened against the Miami game. <clears throat> we have a 21 to seven lead. Kansas City. We just stopped them at the 20 yard line. So they went for something or whatever, and maybe there was an interception, turnover, downs, or something. And we're at our 20 yard line. We still have 80 yards to go to, for the touchdown. Kansas City on third down, they run the play. We call a timeout, stop the clock because it's less than two minutes remaining in the half. They run another play. We call timeout. We stop the clock. There's less than two minutes remaining still in the first half. And now we trot our offense out there because there's a turnover on downs. With one timeout. With one timeout. And we run three plays right up the middle. Waste our whole entire first half. Because we don't want to go for it to put the nail in the coffin to a good Kansas City team. Because that happened in Miami. And that was my blossom after that whole thing that happened in Steelers. I'm like, why would we call two straight timeouts to preserve time and then run up the gut with Singletary three straight plays in a row and waste the entire half when we could have marched down the field and just put the game away? To go to halftime? Yeah. Because then at that point, we would have been up Miami 21 nothing because we were only up 14 to nothing at that point. Who got the ball at half? Miami did. They did. So it made zero sense. Well, I mean, except our defense is playing out of their mind. Sure, yeah. Um, and they had Jacoby Brissett, and you were probably thinking, you're not going to come back anyway. So there's two thoughts and gut feelings that I have in that situation. First is injuries. Um, don't risk anything that could potentially drive an injury, mm-hmm. even though anything can happen on any play in football, specific, uh, specifically in the NFL. The second thing is um, we're on – where are we? We're on the 20? 20, yeah. All right, so safety's out of the question. Third thing, well, unless, you know, he Allen decides to do a Pat Mahomes thing and goes 17 <laughs> yards backwards and then gets sacked, um, which at that point they would probably just pick him up and drop him yeah. in the end zone for the safety. Right. The last thing is our offense is playing at its current level, and then you know you have – you know, 30 minutes to rack up more points. It's it's not that I'm against – I mean, what's the difference of putting the game away before halftime compared to within the first two series of the third quarter? Because if they get the ball back in half, Kansas City can march all the way down the field and get a touchdown. Even with our defense? Potentially. I mean, Mahomes is the best quarterback in the league. No one can say that. With the Dolphins, I'm fine with it. With the cheat, I mean, game by game, right? Yeah. So, Dolphins, I'm fine with it because I, I mean, what's their offense going right. to do? Um, 
their... But then why call the timeouts beforehand to preserve time? That just didn't make sense to me. Probably, I was there. What was the conversation between McDermott and Dable? I know exactly, and that's what drives me nuts because we can't properly analyze because we don't have all the information, sure, and then, is, then my OCD kicks in because I don't have all the information. Right, and I like yeah. twitch. Yeah, but you know? conceptually, for someone watching the game, you're going to be like, "What is going on?" It makes well, zero of course, sense. yeah. I mean, you're going to be annoyed until you get all the pieces, and you're like, "Fair." Well, why aren't they and talking the, to each other then? Well, it's not that they're not talking to each other. It's that they're not talking to us. Well, you know, I don't Sean know. McDermott, give me a phone call. <laughs> yeah. Let me know. You well, know? I don't understand I can calm this guy any down. situation why you would call two timeouts to preserve time and then run up the gut and waste the rest of the time. It doesn't make sense. Regardless of who's making the play call, it's a dumb move. If or, not, or did we call the timeouts the time. to see what they were going to do? It was two straight timeouts to preserve time. They ran or, it. We or was it. there a defensive issue where we had to call the timeouts because they were showing us something that we weren't set up for and we couldn't audible in time to then? I mean, hypotheticals are always there. Well, that's. I mean, those are the only realistic things. Right. Sure. Right. I mean, you call a timeout because they're showing you something that you're not set up for defensively. Yeah. And then the second thing is, you have the timeouts and then you you basically tell the OC, hey run the clock out because we have another 30 minutes of gameplay. We're already up a couple scores. Let's just figure out this specific case and then handle it. And then, you know, we still got 30 minutes to go over it and then we'll make adjustments at halftime, whatever, which realistically is probably what happened. They're like, Hey, we're just going to use up what we got, you know, a couple lifelines. If they show us something that we're not a hundred percent in on, then we'll just call a timeout. It it literally might be that simple, which is super annoying but it might be that simple. Yeah. So, and it's tough because then, you know, you're watching it and you're just like, that doesn't follow football logic, right? But it might be that. Yeah. So whose fault is it? Is it the OC or is it just the organization having a conversation and making that call and then we just got to live with it because we're fans? Sure. Hey, you never know. Oh, my God. Football's tough, man. I will say I will give whoever made the play call credit because (laughs) during this pass game, it was a fourth and one, and it was Allen running outside the left tackle to get that first down. You remember that play? It was like fourth and one. I don't think that was designed. What do you think was designed then? Up the gut. And then Allen was Allen. Sure. Okay, but at least they didn't lateral it eight yards back to Singletary. That's what I'm getting at. Yes. But, yeah, I think he took that, looked, and he's like, Hole closed, and then he's like being an athlete, took over, and then he's just like, I'm going to skirt left because I know that they just collapse the box. Yeah. So I'm just going to skirt left and pick it up. Yeah, I mean, that, well, that's the thing. Yeah. Like, you can't you can't coach that. Right. That's why it's a famous saying in football. You can't coach that. Yeah. Similar to defensive ends, if defensive end um, comes down the line and then – We're all over the board here. It's a run play on the offense, Okay. Bills are on defense. You'll see this all if you watch on Sunday, watch this and you'll see it all the time. Running back takes a handoff. It's you know, it's just a a half um not even a swing. It's just it's a it's a designed run. Running back takes it off tackle, and then he he tries to get, you know, as many yards as possible mm-hmm. just off tackle. The opposite side D end won't bow out this huge half moon, crescent moon route, and then run and then try to get his angle to catch the running back from behind. First of all, he's never going to because right. it's the NFL. But then secondly, how can you close that distance and gap? Some things you you see, specifically at like the high school and then like <clears throat> certain college levels that you can't coach mm-hmm. 
is the D end pulling out of the block. They'll the opposites um, opposite end that the play is going to for the designed run will take his tackle, but then instead of bowing out, he'll literally just run the mm-hmm. line of scrimmage. You can't coach that right. at certain levels. So that occurs every single play in the NFL, and then the only way to really identify that is by watching tape post game, mm-hmm. where you're just like, "That's a really good play." You can't like, "Hey, man, we didn't, we never talked about that. That wasn't designed. That's just a good play on you for being an athlete. Yeah. Like, you can't coach that. That's why it's a famous saying because stuff like that happens every single play. Specifically, Allen. Same thing against Dallas a couple years ago. Allen, um, the ball's lost on Thanksgiving. Yeah, yeah he picks it awesome. up and then drives two dudes forward yeah. for the first down and we're all just like I would literally drink your bath water <laughs> like you can't coach that yeah. that's just he's you know he's balling out so I want to get your take then on one last thing that happened last week because this is part of my notes uh because I knew that we were going to have this discussion today but we had f- three straight red zone drives that resulted in field goals and then on the fourth red zone drive they were like Josh, do a read option, do whatever you want. Hand it off, run it, the, or pass. The triple read option, yeah. yeah. So from my this, standpoint, this is what we text being about. a viewer, yeah. My standpoint being a viewer and looking at this, they didn't give him the option to do any of that in the first three drives. Those were all play calls. All of them failed. Now in this situation where they're saying, Josh, just do whatever you feel works, that ended up. So to me, that's more of an execution than a play call. Because someone's giving him the sure, you can say that someone's giving him the ability, so he's making the play call to do whatever he wants. Yep. But the other three red zone drives failed, so now you're giving putting the ball in Josh Allen's hands, which is why I'm saying that talent can overstep a bad play call. Because now Josh is saying, "I'm just going to do whatever I feel works," and we ended up scoring that drive. And that's a fundamental difference because when it's that's my point. It's not necessarily the play call. It's the execution of that play call. The play call might have been perfect. It might have been like, hey, this is a 96% chance of working if they come out in this defense. If they don't come out um, if they, if they don't come out in that specific defense in their goal line defense and they show this, audible to this, this is a 95% chance of being a touchdown. Okay, sounds good. I'm going to call this. Alan, this is your, um, this is your audible. Okay, sounds good. Thanks. 15 seconds are left on the game clock. All communications are over with, and now Allen's on the field alone. So he knows what his check is, and then he also knows what the initial play mm-hmm. call is. Okay? So def- they get to the line of scrimmage. Defense shows what they show. Offense lines up. And then all of a sudden, he sees what he sees, and he's like, okay, they're showing me this. I'm going to go with the first play call, and then it doesn't work out. The fan is always going to say – shitty call by Dable, and then anybody else that knows football is going to say it's not necessarily the play call. It's because the defensive end just destroyed the tackle and he missed his block. Or this corner watched so much tape that he just circumvented what he was showing, did his own thing, went rogue, and made a play. Or our our guy didn't turn his head fast enough or like all of those things come up and that's what I was telling you via text I'm like that's the execution level mm-hmm. because there's so much stuff that happens on the field where it's not necessarily the play caller it's football like it's just what happens when you play football 
but the fan gets upset because why would you run that play? Like, that's the first initial instinct. So those first three drives, are you saying I can't blame any of that on a play call? Because this is where I'm getting at, is there's statistically, again, I'm going back to statistics, that's how my mind works. Statistically, you had three attempts to get into the end zone, and you called the wrong plays. Regardless of execution, we have an elite offense. They should be able to execute a majority of the time. Not every time, but a majority of the time. We had three red zone trips where we couldn't get into the end zone at all. There is a play call aspect to that where you're saying, this is bad play calling because we're not able to get past in the red zone into the touchdown, into the end zone. That's what I'm getting at. I'm with you. I just don't think that's it. I think it literally just boils down to it's football. You can make the best play calling in the world or the worst play calling in the world, but at the end of the day, it's still down to the 22 guys that are on the field playing football, and things happen. Okay, so that's where you differ. You say it's yeah. football. I say it's play calling. Correct. Okay, well, we're an understanding at least. Agree to disagree, friend. That's what it comes down to. I think that the play callings weren't good, and you said it's just football. That's just what it is. Yeah. Cool. All right, everybody. I'm glad I never talk about this again. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I, I love this, and you and I – it's so funny because you and I are so goofy together that when people see us like talking seriously and having like an actual discussion about things that we disagree on, they're like, what's going on? Like, this is weird. <laughs> I know. But it's also refreshing for us because we're just so like, fun. oh, yeah. we talked about something today. <laughs> right? I mean, like there's, there's like six times a week we're seeing each other. We don't disagree on anything. Like at no, all, we're no. on the same side of the aisle politically. We're on the same side of the aisle, like motivational, like business aspect. Obviously, we started a business together. The only thing we disagree on is, is offensive play calling. <laughs> <laughs> yep, Brian Damwell. That's it. It is so funny. So I, we I need love to have him this on. Conversation we need, we we literally need to sit down with him, dude. I would love to. Like we interviewed Reed, and Reed was such an awesome. I feel like we did him a disservice because we didn't have the good cameras. You and I were kind of like. What's up, Reed? Like, I mean, we were starstruck, but yeah. at the same time, it's I don't I mean, I don't think so. It was like an organic conversation. Yeah. Plus, we can always I mean, there's things are in the works. Yeah. Put it that way. But like it would be very interesting. We're not a Buffalo Bills podcast at all. We're a small business in Buffalo podcast. But if we got the chance to interview somebody on the Buffalo Bills, like Dable or like McDermott or like Allen, it'd be sick. Like we were so happy to interview Reed. And if Reed ever wants to come on again, or if he wants to have us on his podcast, we can do that. I'm so down. Yeah. I don't know. Let us know what you think. Would you like us to interview Bill's players? Because I'm sure that they might see that one comment and be like, I might consider it. You never know. I'm ready. Well, today we drank Old Forester 1897. If you're interested in hearing today's episode, you can go back and listen to the Wednesday Whisk review we did of that. There's a fascinating story behind that date specifically, so if you're interested, tune in. If you like today's episode, please make sure you subscribe. It's absolutely free to do, and it helps us with our analytics. Also, leave a comment down below and like this video. Uh, let us know that we're doing a good job. I mean, we're we're going to continue grinding, but it's nice to hear your guys' feedback. If you want to provide your feedback more directly, you can always go to our Patreon and sign up for one of the five tiers. That way you can get in on what whiskey we're, we're reviewing a week early and provide your tasting notes, and then also get these episodes a week early too. Now that we're in Bill's season, it's kind of prime to get these episodes a week early. 
because no doubt this Kansas City discussion, you're going to know exactly when this happens, and you're not going to be like two weeks late. So there's a benefit there. But thank you all for joining. Obviously, we appreciate every single one of you. Patrons, we appreciate you just a little bit more. You're a part of our happy hour crew, so we love you guys. But always remember, if you're going to take a bottle of this or if you're going to drink any other whiskey today, to drink responsibly, be a good person. And, Michael, do not litter. We're out. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.